It's Monday, August 31st, 2020. I'm Tanya Harris, and welcome to TMI Daily, your daily roundup of everything people are talking about online since they aren't allowed to talk about it in person. This morning, the governor of Wisconsin, Tony Evers, sent a letter to the president imploring him not to come to Kenosha tomorrow. This comes a day after the mayor of Kenosha asked the same thing. This marks the first time in U.S. history anyone had to try and talk someone out of visiting Wisconsin. The head of the FDA, Stephen Hahn, said today that he would consider emergency approval of a COVID-19 vaccine before clinical trials were completed if he thought that the risk of not having the vaccine outweighed the risk of offering an unproven medication. Donald Trump was quick to agree, saying, quote, look how many things I've said that have been unproven and I'm still president. The first post-convention polls claimed that neither candidate got a traditional post-convention bump. In fact, the only bump anyone got during these conventions was clearly Don Jr. just minutes before his speech last Monday. The Twitter account of Herman Cain, who died from COVID-19, tweeted out a, tweeted out a message today that coronavirus is, quote, not as deadly as the media says. Now, I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure I can find the flaws in this guy's argument. In order to free up some much needed cash, AMC is selling its theaters in the Baltics. I did a similar thing once where I sold my Baltic Avenue property to survive a tough game of Monopoly, but then I landed on Boardwalk before I could pass go and ended up more bankrupt than Donald Trump. UK's Channel 4 announced today that as part of a documentary, they will show an erect penis for the first time in British broadcast history. Americans will have to wait for the first presidential debate to see something similar on our TVs. 90s R&B hit maker Toni Braxton said in an interview that she wishes she'd had more sex when she was younger. This makes sense considering that it's her career that's been screwed for the better part of two decades now. Christopher Nolan's tenant made over $53 million this weekend in markets outside the U.S. You can see it here on Thursday, starting on Thursday, where lucky moviegoers can hope to get that commemorative disease most U.S. theaters will likely be offering. It turns out that Brad Pitt's new girlfriend, Nicole Poterowski, is actually married and in an open relationship with her husband. And this is exactly why couples should never do those celebrity free passes. At the VMAs last night, Lady Gaga won Artist of the Year, The Weeknd won Video of the Year, and we all won Decision of the Year by not watching. Now, let's send it over to tonight's TMI Daily Cast and Crew Roundtable. Stay safe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of TMI Daily. I'm Veronica Aiello, and as always, I'm joined by some of my TMI Hollywood family. Let's go around and say hello to everyone watching at home or listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or their streaming service of their choice. Let's start with you, Peter. I don't feel I'm at my best today, just saying. Okay, Joe. Hi, everyone on Google Podcasts, Wakanda Forever. Um, Elizabeth. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Jeff. What's up, YouTube? Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Tell all your friends. Hit that notification bell. Oh, yeah. You can follow me on at the Jess Ellis on Twitter. Here's your party horn. Pew, 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 pew. That's like how all the YouTube videos start. <laughs> Emma. Hey, y'all. How you doing? And Shayna. Hello. Okay, so let's get started. On Friday, just minutes after we finished our show, the news broke about the tragic death of Chadwick Boseman. According to reports, Chadwick, who was only 43 years old, lost a four-year battle with colon cancer. We wanted to take this moment at the top of our show to let our panel say anything they might be feeling about this incredibly sad loss. Does anybody want to start? Let's start with you, Joe. Well, as a huge Marvel fan, um, I was entirely grateful for his portrayal of uh, Black Panther. And I know that's what everyone was talking about. But something else I really wanted to, um, to uh, mention about uh, Chadwick, um, you know, he did 10 movies knowing he had cancer and was trying to fight it. But yeah. if you look at his movies outside of the Marvel ones, uh, Jackie Robinson, Thurgood Marshall, 
um, 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 oh, why is it? Why is James it right? Brown, the Get On Up? Get On Up, yeah, James <laughs> Brown. He was also trying to get the word out there, get the, you know, talk about the history, the history of of, uh, of of blacks in America, and I think that that was important too. And I think that's something we should talk about. And one last thing. A lot of people were making fun of him and whatnot for him when he was getting really thin and things like that because he did not tell anybody what was going on. And so, you know, it's it's we do it on the show too, but it's it's you think you can criticize and things like that, but always remember that you don't know where people are coming from, what they're going through, what kind of pain that they have. And so I know it's really tough this year with the election and everything, but hey, take a moment and be kind to somebody. And on top of that, too, um, I also saw he was visiting, you know, children's cancer wards as well while he was you know, battling it himself. So that was pretty amazing. Does anybody else want to add something to the Shana? Yeah, I just wanted to add that he also was an incredible writer. He wrote a multitude of plays that were produced um, throughout New York and um, people that I know that got the opportunity to work with him on that level as well. And the truth and honesty that he brought to the screen, he also brought to the page. So um, just wanted to share that it, it's an epic loss on, on many levels, you know, um, his activism was also present in his work. Um, and gosh, you know, what, 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 a that's real courage, I think is somebody who continues going on and that is happening and to them and they continue making art and saying those powerful things. I mean, if you haven't seen his college addresses, go watch them. He spoke to multiple college campuses and the fact that he was going through an illness that was ravaging his body and able to say, be hopeful, continue going, you know, all of that stuff is just, it speaks to what kind of heroism he actually, you know, really embodied, not just on screen. Okay. Um, Emma, and then I want to finish with you, Elizabeth. Go ahead, Emma. The thing that I kept, that I keep getting struck by every time I see another tribute to him is what a profoundly kind man he was. Um, there are so many stories, but I think one of my favorites uh, is told from just like some internet post by someone who used to work at the Samuel French bookstore here in LA. Uh, they said they were working one day uh, and Chadwick Boseman came in, didn't really make a big deal out of it, was just shopping for plays. And uh, a young black actor came in, saw him and you know, went up just to be like, listen, I don't want to bother you, but just I, I'm, I admire you, etc." And he stopped and he had like a 30 minute conversation with this guy just telling him like, here's what you need to know as a black actor specifically, here are different resources you can use, here are like all these different things you can use to get ahead in your career to like uh, increase and show your talent. Uh, and not only did you do that for over half an hour, but afterwards they parted the ways and the kid went to go like shopping for plays. He went and he picked out a whole stack of plays he thought every young actor should read, went up to the front, bought them and then had the clerk put them aside for the kid and just give them to him when he paid and left because he just wanted to make sure he had the resources to keep going. It's a great story. Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, no, it's the, uh, uh, I'm amazed that he did all he did physically uh, during four years. I've only dealt with it for just less, just coming up on a year. And um, it's not easy. So to power through all that is really, really incredible. I think it, and the, the, the thing I want to highlight, though, is the privacy people gave him. That's such a huge sign of respect that nobody yeah. leaked anything. And because and people, other people pointed out online that like when you respect the person you're dealing with, they're working for or whatever, um, you keep their private stuff private. So like Spike Lee didn't know, Ryan Coogler didn't know. All these people he worked with just truly had no idea that he was uh, going through any of this. And it's um, it's really incredible because it just shows he was the kind of person people admired and wanted to work with and be around. And, to, and also the flip side though, is that it's a struggle if you tell people that something is wrong with you, then you get treated differently. So it's just kind of a hard yeah. thing. Um, but he was so impressive, it's taken way too soon uh cancer's fucking unfair and the worst that's all i can say about it 
So on a lighter note, let's get on with the show. We will be getting to our main topic tonight later on. But for now, we're going to start with just one question, where we take some of the topics we covered at the top of the show, and I ask you one question about them. Well, the weather was pretty nice all weekend, so I have one question for you. Were the VMAs the highlight of your weekend? Did any watch- I actually watched them. I should ask I did did watch watch the VMAs. I, I did not watch them. I did watch them. I actually watched them. I you did, did watch them. I did. I did. I did. You were that person, Shana? I was. I was the person that watched them and the the people who were there live. There were people there live. Um, But uh, it was was very socially distanced and and done in a very interesting, I mean, virtual way. They did a lot of virtual work with it. Um, But it was, it was interesting. And there, and it, 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 I mean, of course, it's not like the VMAs. I will say this though, Gaga did not disappoint. <laughs> she gave, she brought the show that you wanted to see. And that was pretty much when I was like, and I can stop now because I was like, I saw the person that I wanted to see, which was Lady Gaga. She did her thing. And now I can tune out because I'm like, I really don't care about Richie Rowe or any of the, <laughs> any of the other people who were nominated. I was like, I don't care. I don't care. It's Lady Gaga. She had a mask for every outfit, which I was like, work. And she had this one mask on, this one outfit that was like this Valhalla vibe where it was like, yeah, it horns had some Viking out. horns. And then she had this white wig on yeah. and wore this, like, she totally looked like a Viking. It was like awesome. And every time she came out for an award, she had a different outfit with a different mask. And I, and so I, I, I was living for that too. So I don't know if you guys know this, but do you know MTV, they don't do those overnight ratings. And the CW actually carried them as well. So they're saying that ratings, according to the CW, 758,000 people uh, watched the VMAs on the CW. And that was way down from 1.9 million who watched it on the CW last year as well. So the viewers, you know, the viewers did go down a bit. So so. who even knows what it was actually on MTV, (laughs) what those numbers were. (laughs) Elizabeth, even uh, using BTS as the leverage to get people to watch, because that was really the leverage that they were using, was BTS was performing for the first time live in English. And it wasn't even Lady Gaga. Like, they were barely pitching Lady Gaga. Yeah, they were like, and Gaga will be here. Um, (laughs) I only watched... Sing her new hit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I only watched a couple of performances on YouTube after the fact, mostly for reference for work. Um, and I oh, just I feel like I to watch them. <laughs> what? Sure, Elizabeth. Oh yeah, no, no I truly because try and try, even though we had popcorn <laughs> and chips and everything. <laughs> not true. It's not true. No, um, I just want to highlight um, Doja Cat had on this yeah. bodysuit thing with like. A kind of a glittery mermaid vagina like thing mermaid and, gl- and glittery mermaid bits on her on yeah. her boobs and i'm yeah. so mad i did not think of it last night but uh, about like four o'clock today i thought of the lighthouse damn it and so i did finally tweet my lighthouse joke which is just her picture of her and then the shot of robert pattinson from the trailer looking like Ugh. Because they do show mermaid vagina in the lighthouse, if anyone's curious. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I want to see it. What was up with those I was definitely curious. lights in their crotches? Yeah, the and then the black eyed peas had the lights in their crotches. I don't know and... what the, the lights in their crotches. I was like, penis light, what is this about? And this that might have been the day I was like, I don't get you damn kids anymore. <laughs> Will I, 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 have to, I have to agree. I have to agree because this was the first time that there was an MTV award that I didn't know at least one person performing because there was some some like white rap guy on that I was like, I have no idea who this is. And I was like, okay, that means I'm now officially way too old. I'm way, I mean, I was already out of the demographic, but clearly, clearly as soon as you, you, you know, because it used to be that you knew and you could be 60 and know every person that was going to be on. You on still the, knew the Lady Gaga old. was. No, 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 Lady Gaga was huge, but the, no, I'm telling you, there was some guy, and I still I think can't he's remember referring his name. To Machine Gun Kelly. No, 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 I know who Machine Gun Kelly is too. No, there was some other guy on that, that he had like, I guess he bought like $100,000 worth of rings for his pals or some shit that was, that was one of the, like, and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never even heard of him, but he was, he performed last night. I don't remember who he was. So I'm, I'm old. And we, yeah, we, and we are old, Pete, because we're already like in the yacht rock 
category. <laughs> I love Yacht Rock. Again, that we've gotten to that age now where we're enjoying Yacht Rock way too much. <laughs> God bless Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock is awesome. It is awesome. Joe, what did you want to say? I want to say that I didn't bother with the VMAs at all. I haven't for quite a long time. I went to the drive-in to see Bill and Ted face the music. It was amazing. It was packed. It was just another thing that made me happy because people are going out to the movies even if it is in their car. So it was, and it was loads of fun. And now that I've heard about mermaid vagina, I'm even more happy that I'm going to have bagels and locks for dinner because now I'm really hungry. <laughs> no, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't watch either, but uh, I'm just glad the commercials are going to be finally over because those are super annoying. And like the, the music during the commercial just gets stuck in your head. I have it in my head right now. <laughs> Oh, but the MTV Movie Awards, Jess, are just around the corner. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. We watched um, a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm last night. That was our weekend. and we were That's, just- that's how you know you're old. <laughs> that's how you're old. Y'all <laughs> Curb Your Enthusiasm. I did watch Bill and Ted at home. I, I rented it at home, and it is most excellent. Yeah, yeah, that's our recommendation for a week. Go see Bill and Ted. Go see Bill and Ted. I was hoping Chris would be here so we could talk about the UFC fight, but I guess... But he's probably still recovering from watching the VMAs last night. So mm. It was just that kind of experience. Yeah, Google Doja Cat, man. It's, you're in for an eyeful. Oh, no, that suit was killer. That suit was <laughs> seriously something. So it turns out that Brad Pitt's new 27-year-old girlfriend is actually married and in an open relationship with her husband. My question is, we have all probably joked around about having a celebrity freak ass. I know I have during a relationship. Is this like the best example ever of one working out? Or backfiring really hard. It depends on which side you're talking about. Yeah. For, for her, yes. For him, not so much. They're in an open relationship. Is it an open relationship or is it no, 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 no one, no one ever gets it's into an open relationship thinking, no, no, they, nobody gets into an open relationship thinking, okay, yeah, she'll never fuck Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the guy, the guy the the Trader Joe's? Yeah, the guy at the Trader Joe's show up, but like Brad Pitt is like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what do they do? What happened this morning? Like the unlimited pass. Like how do you? How do you? Once you got the free, you get the hall pass, right? Because you, you can your your mates like yes, of course you can be with Brad Pitt. But then how do you convert it into an unlimited pass where it's like, well, I'm going back in, babe, because I know I was allowed the one, but it's Brad Pitt. Do you understand? Yeah. I'm, I'm As, going back. I don't know. I think okay. I. Would, it's I'm also an open relationship. I'm going to be spending the weekend with Brad Pitt in in Miami. Oh yeah, well I'm going to sleep with Sheila from the bank. Yeah, My girlfriend exactly, from Canada. It's exactly you what Joe. Seen. What, exactly what Joe is saying because they they can't. They, there's no way this morning they both ran into each other. Said, "Oh, what'd you do, honey?" This morning, oh, I went to see you know a, a play. I read a book. What did you do? I, I went to Paris and fucked Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. Like that's just did not, in his chateau that no he used to own was Angelina. Honestly, if that was my wife or my girlfriend, I would be like fucking. I would be like, give a slow clap. I'd be like, seriously, kudos. Because <laughs> oh, honestly, like, yeah. honestly, because I'm a realist, I have a mirror. I have a mirror. I'm like, oh, you could have had me for the weekend and in my boxers around the house, or fly to Paris and have Brad Pitt do it. Like, yeah, for the first one, but I'm saying for forever. Like this is. Oh yeah, no, I would be like, if he'll have you forever, you definitely deserve an upgrade. Like, I would be a jerk for slowing her down. You know what I mean? Like, what kind of guy would I be? Relationship, and you just have to be honest that she's no longer your girlfriend. She's Brad Pitt's girlfriend. That's what I'm saying. That's not what an open relationship is. That's very true. Her husband's 68 years old. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Brad's 56. It's not that big a leap. I mean, listen, if she's willing to date like older men, go with God. Or more specifically, don't. What's she look like, anyways? Did we get a picture? What's her name? She's a German model. She's a Polish model or from Poland. And if this guy's that old, what if he needs somebody like what if he's a watcher? Maybe Brad Pitt's doing them both a favor. You know, he's, he's <laughs> also, performing a he's, service for their marriage. Good guy, Brad Pitt. To, to support Emma's point that it's an open marriage, the guy's been married apparently like a bunch of times before and 
so it's not like he's like, oh no, the one time I let my gr- my wife go, go out for the weekend. Let's throw out there. Let's throw out there that like that like if if they're if she's in a position to meet Brad Pitt in the first place as not as not just like as a fan, they're probably running in circles of the rich and the beautiful already yeah. anyway. Well, and if they've got the kind of money to be in those kinds of circles. And like he probably had enough money to get some like hot young thing that he wants too. Like if they're in a real relationship, that goes both ways. This time, like the person she slept with just happened to be famous. But like that's what that is. That's what a real open relationship is. Because yeah. sex isn't everything. Are you trying to tell us something, Emma? <laughs> I. By the way, you can follow Emma Lieber <laughs> on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think open relationships are defined differently. People. I don't think I don't think it's one way or another way. Like that's the only way it can be. I think it's up to each couple how open is defined. Yeah. Did we learn and nothing? What, what is up to them? How they define what it is. So, I mean, that's did why we, I that's why I don't know why this is what the news is in terms of the couple because I'm like, well, if they both were fine with it then it's fine. I mean, for me, I couldn't have a continuous thing going if I had an open relationship with somebody. That's different. Then you're you're in a relationship with them and you're no longer in a relationship with me if you're continually being involved with somebody intimately, for me. And we're I get he- that that's different for other people. We're hella uptight in the U.S., though, about mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's, it's And also, did we learn nothing from the Will and Jada entanglement? They're fine with it or seem to be fine with it. Let yeah. them be. You know, Elizabeth, I think it's so interesting what you just said right now about us being uptight because that's going to lead into my next question. Well, we were founded by Puritans, Veronica. Our whole country was founded by Puritans. Well, not all of us. So Channel 4, a UK television network, is planning on showing an erect penis for the first time in British broadcasting history as part of a documentary about men's relationship with their genitalia. My question is, do you think the U.S. will ever not be too uptight to do something <laughs> like this? So a, a little bit, a little information about the um, documentary. It's really called Me and My Penis, <laughs> and it follows this um, British artist. I believe his name is Ajamu X, as he engages men in discussions about their penises and also what it means to be a man in 2020. So that's the description of the documentary. So um, what, are, what are your thoughts on this? Let's start with you, Joe. Well, first of all, I'm a little annoyed because it would be my penis and I, not me and my penis. <laughs> hey, they're British. They know how to say it. Grammatically correct. So I'm already like suspect of this thing. And then the second thing I was like, I hope it wasn't like like somebody in Britain said, oh, we're going to show Spotted Dick on television. And everyone was like, here was like, whoa, because Spotted Dick, you, you get it. It's not, that's a, that's a food. Um, listen, I, I actually am kind of intrigued because I do know that most men actually do have a really nice relationship with their genitalia. Well, then why do you um, beat it so much? What? Oh! Why do you beat it so much? Well, <laughs> because we can. <laughs> See you guys later. I'm done. Because we yeah. the rim shot. But no, because yeah, on you know everything's external. You have to watch where it's going. You do have to watch where you're putting it. And uh, and I'm not just talking about in a sexual term. I'm talking about like when you put on pants and things like that. And so I'm all for it. As for as America, America will never let you. America goes bananas when you show a nipple at the Super Bowl. So I just, I can't yeah. think that they're going to one day allow an erect penis on television. So no. Yeah, we're, we're not we're so uh, two things. Grammatically, it depends on what the introduction to the phrase me and my penis is. If it's like <laughs> all about me and my penis, then me and my penis is correct. Uh, and I just have no idea what the title is beyond Damn. me and my penis. Uh, but also... <laughs> I don't know if this counts as broadcast television because it's cable, so it's not broadcast per se, um, but it was like over the air. Didn't an erect penis appear in uh, American Gods? Like that already yeah, happened? I believe yeah, but that, it did. But that was, that was stars. That was a paid television. Well, that, that was, was going to be my question was, is this the equivalent of cable in the UK? And that, like, because it's not airing out a BBC thing, which is like the mm-hmm. equivalent of their like public television. Yeah. Public television what network is airing it? It's Channel 4. I think that's cable for them. Mm-hmm. No, that's it's not, it's regular television. It's regular television. Oh, is it? Oh, like BBC yeah. Four. They actually, what's what's okay. funny, and Veronica can Veronica can testify that this is true. There's an actual show that they do late at night. It's a game show. Yeah. I think it's oh. called Make, Make It Appeal. You told me about uh, this. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's the most fucked up thing I've ever seen because what they do is 
they bring either out a man or a woman, and depending on what their sexuality is, let's assume men are into women for this for this case, although they don't have to be. Um, and then they have these three tubes um, where, where you can't see anything, like each tube is, is a different color, but what happens is there's a person behind each tube, and it's like, they're, and they're nude, which is, which is the thing. And so what'll happen is they first raise the tube up just enough till you see their genitals, um, and, and then they get to ask questions. <laughs> and then it goes up a little higher and you see their chest. And then they get to ask questions. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, they leave, get undressed, come back so they're nude. And then they raise up the final, the, the final part so you see the whole person. And then the person gets to ask them a question. And then you figure out who they're going to take with the, on a date. But you've seen them completely nude. And it's, it's on, I think it might be on Channel 4. And that one on re- boner comes up? No, I mean, there's no boner. It's just, it's just a flaccid penis or, you know, or a vagina. It's so like, funny. The whole so time. When they choose the person, yeah, yeah, it's just a... they're completely naked. They come out, they're like, hi, oh, nice to see, you know, meet you, whatever. I mean, it's like the most normal thing for them. And, and to us, we were watching it and we're going, I'm going, oh my God, what are you watching? Because he was watching it. you got to come here and see this. And I was like. Yeah, and, and the woman who, who, the woman who's like the host. She's like a total degenerate because she because she has more more puns for people's genitals than any person on earth. So it's like I hope this doesn't bum you out. <laughs> but she has like every, every you know. I hope he won't act like a dick to you. Oh my god, I love it. Oh, like this. Oh, so do you like his clock? I mean, just like. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's nice. I've never heard my wife say the word cock with a British accent before. Well, now you do, honey. <laughs> Jess, were you going to say something? <laughs> yeah, first of all, a comment on that show. I mean, it sounds, you know, kind of like Naked and Afraid. I wish dating was more like that because then I could just, you know, you won't, there won't be a surprise three or four dates from now. It'll just be like, well, you know, you know what you got into. And then we can be comfortable when it finally comes to coitus. You know what I mean? There's none of that like nerves. You've already gotten that out of the way. You know what you're getting into. Uh, but about the, will America be like too prude to show an erect penis on T? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, like when I was a kid, porn was a no-no. Like that was a thing. And I know like my, my brother who's older than me, like that was, it was ex- explicitly forbidden. And anybody who looked at it was a degenerate and things like that. And now we kind of celebrate porn stars and it's sort of an accepted thing. We make jokes about porn and everybody knows what it is because they have an account on there to watch free porn. So I I think we're get we're in that trajectory for sure. And I mean, uh, have you seen the, the sex ed guidebook for California or is it just LA unified or I think it's for California. I mean, they're quite liberal in there. It's like looking at a porno. It's this like straight up instructions on how to have sex, how to do blood play, uh, fisting, anal, all sorts of great stuff. And that's, and that's in school. So I give it one generation. We'll be there. Age groups that's for Jess, because we actually, when I used to be, a I think it's like seventh grade. Okay. Cause we used to, because I, was, I taught at a Catholic school, we called it family life. Well, it was much different than what? Yeah. Than the education when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. Hey, I think they should be like, you know, it's just like instructions. Hold on, hold on. Joe, what were you saying? And then I'll I, no, I think that that's great. It should look like yeah. Ikea instructions. It should make it easy. Yeah. You know, let's, let's, uh, <laughs> this way, there's no experimenting or figuring it out. Let's insert tab A into slap B. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's what we got in New York. That's what it was very much like. <laughs> this is what what you do and then you take this other thing and the thing goes in the thing and it's always a super like bronxite gym teacher yes that is yes that is actually in the curriculum the thing goes in the thing is actually the in thing the goes curriculum in the thing. and it's so then why wouldn't we see one of those things on tv pretty soon and then you just sit there <laughs> just just what is blood play I don't know, man. It was in the damn what? manual. I, that was what is blood my... play? Who's playing with blood? There's a, there's a whole 
Just Google it. It's there. I'm not Googling that. If anybody, yeah, I don't want to. No, I mean, it's in the. It's in the. Yeah, your Facebook ads are going to get really fucked up. If anybody watching right now knows what blood play is, you can write it in the comments, and then I will read it to everybody. Yeah, just send a link to that. I know what blood play is. I mean, I know what it is. If you want me to tell you, I can tell you. But I know, I know what it is. I don't think I want to know for sure. I'm like. It's, it's exactly what you think it is. It's exactly what you are imagining it is in your brain. That's exactly what it is. No, 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 uh, Shana, just a, a secret message just to Veronica. This way, Peter can be surprised one night. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a great surprise. Oh, it's that time of the month. <laughs> I, yeah, oh, I wait, it's, oh, okay, I I, now I get it. Now I get it. I'm not hip at all. Okay. You don't have to wait for that time, but it's helpful. It's helpful. Very helpful. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, let's move on now to... Serious face now. Okay. Oh, what a shit for about it. It's the name of the show. It's, it's the name daily. of the show. Awkward <laughs> segue. Awkward segue. With with the election now only 64 days away, both campaigns are clearly beginning to unveil their final argument to the American people in regards to why voters should choose their candidate. Unlike past years, when most elections were focused on the economy and social issues, this year the election is focusing on death. Does anyone understand what I mean by that? Both sides are seemingly hoping for a noticeable amount of death to occur over these final two months. Let's start with the Democrats. If Joe Biden is able to keep voters focused on the amount of dead Americans caused by COVID, and if medical predictions are right that about 90,000 more people will die due to COVID by election day, do you disagree that this would probably get him elected? Who wants to start? Pete. Well, I mean, obviously it, it would make sense that if if people just keep dying uh, from this and there's really no end in sight, uh, that there's probably a better than average chance that that's gonna help Biden at the polls. Now, that's really not something anybody should be wishing for, um, that that you know people die in order to get Joe Biden elected, but it's it's pretty, it, you know, it's, I, I mean, I can't imagine that, that anybody would say, oh, you know, we're at 250,000 deaths and, you know, let's 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 vote for Trump again. I, I mean, I I was looking and and the uh, the people that, uh, that 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 have probably the most accurate uh, of the, uh, the the death predictors, uh, the IMHS, um, they predicted that on August 29th, we were going to have one hundred eighty one thousand deaths. Uh, back on August 5th, we had 181,200 and something deaths on August 29th. So they're pretty accurate. Um, they said we're, we're going to have another 90,000 deaths um, by election day. So you're talking about 270,000 people. Um, I can't, I just, if that's the case, I can't imagine that that not being a benefit, again, in a, some sick macabre way for, for Biden. I mean, how could it not be? Okay, uh, Joe? You know, it all depends on it all depends on uh, how the numbers are because I I got my uh, my ultra right wing uh, friends on Facebook that think I'm part of some uh, satanic cabal after this show, which I am by the way. It's a, it's book night, so bring you bring your favorite book and remember you only wear the black robes on Sunday. Um, and they said that oh the actual numbers as of today are only nine thousand two hundred. Um, because you can't count, so you can't count any COVID deaths if somebody had some other disease, whether it was a cold or whatnot, along with it. Yeah, that, so that, it all depends on how you spin the, the numbers. So I really, I don't know if it's going to make any difference or not, to be honest with you, because you could go to like one of these ultra right wing news things, like News Punch or Flaming Patriot or all these crazy ones that I only see them. The, those are the only people I ever see quoting them because it's craziness. Um, you know, left has craziness too. Don't get me wrong; the left has just as crazy. Uh, sites too. Um, but my point is that it all depends on how you spin the numbers. Jess will tell you it's all about how you spin the numbers. Yeah, I can tell you all about them. Um, Shana? Yeah, no, but, yeah, that's what I was going to say is that the COVID, that, that whole, the 9,200 people that I don't even think that they, some of those folks get how the math works to even get to that number um, in terms of how that 
is happening. So yeah, I agree with you, Joe. I think it's absolutely in how the numbers are spun and how people believe in that information and believe in the the disease having that effect. You know what I mean? Because they're because they're totally okay with 154,000 people that had pre-existing conditions dying. And they're also okay with the almost 10,000 people who died that didn't have anything wrong dying. Because that's that's where they're, the upset is, is that the, from what I understand from my right wing friends, is that that's the, the disconnect in that, is that those people probably would have gotten it. The same amount of people die from the flu. So. Okay, Elizabeth, and I'll go to Jess. Oh, well, everybody kind of, brought up the numbers thing that I was sort of thinking, so I, I don't really have to add anything on that front. Jess, and then I'll go to you, Pete. Go ahead, uh, The numbers that everybody's referencing, I think, Joe, what you're talking about is over the, like, Friday or over the weekend, the CDC released those numbers about, like, just, just stats on who died. And it turns out that only 9,200 people that, uh, that, it, that the fatality rate was only 6% with people that had no comorbidity. And when I read that, I thought this report was good news because to me that says, Hey, this isn't as wildly dangerous as we thought. It's still as infectious and it's as deadly, obviously, because the overall death rate didn't change, but we know what groups are affected the most. So we're narrowing the field. That's how science works. I thought this was good news, but now people are, you know, yeah. taking well, no, things. I, and I agree and, with you, Jess. And, I agree with you because no, you know, I, you know, it was like people with diabetes have a greater chance of dying with it and all that stuff, like all these different things. And it was a really good breakdown. Yeah, and it is a good breakdown. You should look at it because it's facts and it should ease your mind to thinking that we're actually making a positive impact here. And that all this and that stuff we, that we, do knew, have, we knew that already. We did right. know that from the beginning, that but, those people were the higher affected people and that they had the higher death rate. That isn't new science in, in terms of the study what we've known just came out. Then. No, but I mean, it's not, we, we already knew that people with pre-existing conditions were the people who were in danger. That's not that's new not. information. Okay, but great. Was, so then. But it was the spin that they took that. That's, that's my point. That, that's, that's not new. What's the spin you're talking about? Well, they were saying that, well, you know, only the uh, 99% of people that had no conditions whatsoever died. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, but that's but, true, right? That, that number is true. Six, no? That is a true number. But the yeah. point is that there's still like, uh, it doesn't mean that you should be any less like, like, like they're saying, oh, we shouldn't be doing any of this stuff because there's a ton of people with a ton of different pre-existing conditions that are out there. If you have diabetes, you have a greater chance of dying from it. If you have, and they broke it all down. And I was like, so this is all you're saying, you're saying that you're perfectly 100% healthy. And that, so because of that, we shouldn't be doing any of this. I mean, that's, that's the spin that no, I, I didn't see anybody saying we should like, because of, we shouldn't be doing. Oh, no, well, yeah, I was seeing that, but it, it was, like I said, it was ultra right, but that's what I was seeing. Yeah. Because like in the circles oh. I travel on there, it's just people breaking down stats, but right. to me, the more data, the better. And like the finer point you're going to put on that pin as far as how to treat this and respond to it. Okay. So here's the thing that that stat is fucking nonsense. And I'm, and I'm not saying it's nonsense. Which one, you're the CDC saying numbers? Yeah. Yeah. The CDC. Well, firstly, let's, let's all, let's all, you know, call it spade a spade. The CDC is no longer really doing the, the work of the, the, the people. Last week they said that they said that people who were exposed to somebody with, with COVID don't have to go out and get tested anymore because of the fact that they, that, that, unless they have, I'm sorry, unless they have symptoms, which, which, you know, discounts everybody who's asymptomatic. That's that. And, and, and after they put that out, it came out that that came from the White House. It didn't actually come from the CDC. They just reiterated it. So let's not say that the so CDC who should is really. We trust then if is, this is okay, all well, politicized. You know what? You know, we, we just throw it trust, out. We should trust. We should trust medical doctors. Now, I agree. The thing is now. So here's here's the problem with with that argument. If you're saying that only nine thousand people died specifically because of coronavirus, no, I'm I'm, that, I'm with you. Well, no, if we no, can't no, trust no, the no, CDC. Let's, let's, let's throw it out. That's well, fine. I know that's that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is once once Trump is no longer president, maybe the CDC will work as a government agency for the people again, like so much other parts of our government will. But if you if you if you take their argument that only nine thousand people died of the coronavirus specifically because of it, then you have to say to yourself, so I guess one hundred what this was done when there was one hundred fifty thousand deaths. Right. So at that time, if you're saying that that means one hundred forty one thousand people died but I guess they were going to die anyway because they had a pre-existing condition. No, they weren't. So, no, that's so not what anybody's saying. They're saying they're more likely to die. This is the thing. 
That's what I'm saying. No, the arthritis saying, but that's not the case. Yeah. You can have psoriasis, which you, you won't die from psoriasis, but yeah, psoriasis but, but, does affect your immune system. So okay, if you have so psoriasis and you get it, you have a greater chance. Of I think you're fighting a straw man, Peter. Nobody here is saying that. People are no, people no, are just saying comorbidities. You have a higher likelihood of dying from coronavirus. Okay, yeah, yes of course. No? I agree, of course. I agree okay. with Jess. So stop fighting a straw man. Good. The numbers like, are really good because it breaks it down and it says, hey, this is what we're looking at. This is. This is our. But we all knew. See, but this is the for. thing. We all knew all that. We all knew if you if you had a pre-existing condition, you had a better chance of dying from it. Yeah, but, but now, now we know the specifics that, of it, which is even better. I, I, yeah, I mean, imagine I mean, if we look, could narrow it down. down. The ultra right taking those numbers and saying we shouldn't be doing all of the things we are doing because only only six percent that have nothing. Does anybody else not see? Does anybody else not see how how this is going to be interpreted and, and then how it's going to exactly. affect? Exactly, that's what we're like, trying to say. No, but what, what I'm trying to say is that is that there's already so many people in this country that won't wear a mask because because their president didn't wear a mask. There's so many people that are getting sick because of the fact that they just don't think that this is a real disease, and and because of that. When you see the CDC say something like that, I mean, let's let's put it in terms of, of, of the real the real world. This morning, Herman Cain's Twitter account, Herman Cain, who died of COVID, this morning tweeted out that I guess COVID's not as deadly as we thought it was, and he's dead from it. You know, on Twitter all weekend, people are saying, "Oh, Donald, this is all you know." Basically, everything Donald Trump's fault. He's a mass murderer. He's responsible for two hundred thousand deaths. And in my mind, I think, how do we know? How do we quantify this? Like, it's how not, do we how do we know? And when you make statements like that, you're just sowing division. Well, it's not I, I, I think realistically, no, it's not all his fault, but he is not also doing much to close. That's that a fine divide. argument to have. That's a great argument to have. Yes, he's have not that. doing he much. He doesn't act presidential or try to unite people. That's fine. But he's, stay out of the identity shit. <laughs> Well, you know My what, point. though, and I want to say, I mean, I want to shift over now to the Republican side of the argument. So on the Republican side, after four days of a very dark convention, it's clear that they see Trump's path to victory by highlighting the unrest in cities like Portland, Portland and Kenosha, because they feel the law and order message is a strong one for Trump. Um, do we have that video, Pete? Yeah, of uh, Kelly and Con- Okay, Kelly so here's the video of what Kellyanne Conway said about this last week, and we're going to play it right now. I also noticed there was a quote today from a restaurateur in Wisconsin saying, are you protesters trying to get Donald Trump reelected? He knows full stop. And I guess Mayor Pete knows full stop that the more chaos and anarchy and vandalism and violence reigns, the better it is for the very clear choice on who's best on public safety and law and order. One of the, I was in Fort McHenry last. I also noticed there was a quote today from a restaurateur in Wisconsin saying, are you protesters trying to get Donald Trump reelected? He knows full stop. And I guess Mayor Pete knows. That um, turn into violence and looting and property damage. Is this a possible path to victory for Trump? Now, before you guys get started, I have to say, I want to say a couple things and I don't want to get worked up. I don't want to get angry like I normally do when I when I talk about this. Today, I watched uh, Donald Trump's uh, press conference from the beginning till the end. And watching that press conference just answered every single question that, as to why I will never support someone like him. I mean, everything he said was, you know, he's not the president for everybody. He's not. You know, a president is supposed to represent everybody in his country. He clearly is not. He's only the president for his base. He didn't denounce anything. His base hasn't done absolutely nothing wrong, according to him. I mean, I saw the press conference and I just sat there and I said to myself, and this is why I'll never be able to support him. And this is why I have such hatred towards him. So, and I also want to say, and I'll say this again and again, you know, protesters that are exercising their right are not the same people as the people that are looting. You know, you can go after people that are looting. You go after people that are being destructive. But you know what you cannot categorize as, as the people that are actually exercising their right to protest. So that's all I'm going to say. But that's what I saw from today's press conference. It was disgusting to me. Okay, go ahead, um, Elizabeth. Let's start with you. Well, the clip I saw that bothered me was from, um, is it Kelly Mac? In, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm butchering her last stupid, name. Stupid Barbie. Stupid <laughs> Barbie. Would I would like to Kelly McEnany, um, where someone asked about the shooter in Wisconsin, if Trump had any like denouncement or anything like that. And 
part of me is like, well, maybe he can't like legally say anything because it's still he's still being charged and alleged and all those things that in news you do have to, you know, couch a lot of things like that. But she also said, you know, he wasn't gonna, he had no thought on it. And again, I know part of it's probably like a legal thing, but at the same time, I feel like, and I think this is your frustration as well, Veronica, that he should be saying, if anything, like, do not try to be amateur police, you know, those kind, that kind of thing, because it is, you know, you could hurt someone, you do not, you know, you could hurt someone, you could cause more pain, more uh, destruction and things like that. Um, and that's a thing where, like, he could denounce it without having to necessarily name the kid, you know, the kid, because let's be real, like, he's 17. Say something. Just yeah. say anything. At least just once in your life. If he just said... He's not going to. But he's not going to. And I know, and not, I know that. Not. And that's the frustrating he's part. radical left Democrat. The radical left. Antifa, the radical left. But, okay, but you know what? But Veronica, he's... This is this is a good move for him. I mean, in, in all reality, the same way that it's good for Biden that that COVID keeps keeps raging through the country, it's great for Trump if people keep protesting because the problem is it's not the protesters, it's the people that show up late at night. It's the it's it's the opportunists. It's the people that that are just looking for a problem. It's the people on the right. It's the people on the left that are all looking for a problem. And the problem that we're having right now is that. Those people are being categorized as far left liberals when, A, none of them are liberals. Even the Antifa people really aren't liberals. They're just assholes who like to fight. Um, and, 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 uh, and the people that are on the right, they're just looking for, for trouble, too. I, I mean, the, the situation that, that happened first in Kenosha, that was a kid who didn't live in, in Wisconsin, got in, the, got in the car, came to Wisconsin with multiple weapons, and and because he was going to protect what somebody's 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 property. Now, one of the things I, I was reading this morning that that this came only hours after the uh, after the, the first night of the Republican convention, when the, the gun couple was saying that, that the Democrats don't want to protect the suburbs and that the Democrats are going to let the suburbs disappear. Now, I'm not saying that that video of, of the, their speech convinced this kid to, to get in a car and go to Wisconsin. But it didn't help. And, but, but the thing is, the thing, the thing that you're starting to see right now is that there are people that are buying into it. It's, it's amazing because they're, they're all saying, well, oh, my God, if, if Biden is the president, this is going to keep happening. It's happening in Trump's America. But Trump could very well win because of this. And you know what? This is a smart move on their part because they don't have anything else to run on. They can't run on the economy right now. They can't run on, on, on their success with the virus. So you have to run on this, even though, again, it's happening in their, you know, in their government. It's, it's a good move. He should just push this all the way to election day. And he should hope for more, more of, the, of the same. I mean, he's going to Wisconsin tomorrow, basically just incite his people to show up there and cause more problems. There's no reason for him to go, but he's going for that reason. So it's, it's, this is a very smart move on their part. I want to read Heidi's comment online. Um, that is correct. He's only the president for his base. Um, but his base doesn't care about anyone outside their circle. They have an attitude that only they are Americans. And that seems to be the rhetoric from his camp. You know, only if you follow everything he does, if you, you know, if you hold an American flag, that automatically makes you an American. You're not one of those uh, radical left Democrats. And again, it's, you know, He's, he comes out today and he says, basically, you know, it's us versus them, but he's caused this us versus them mentality. And again, I'm not saying there's also people, you know, there's Democrats that are also like too far left or, you know, whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, just because you're a Democrat, I'm going to agree with you. No, I don't. It's just the divisiveness and it just continues every single day. Today, he also said about that 17 year old kid uh, during the press conference, he said, well, he tripped on the ground. I don't know if you guys saw this part. He tripped on the ground and they started attacking him. So he might have been dead. Like he could have been dead. But that's so, a lie. Again, it's but a it's lie. A I've watched your video 5,000 times today. But it, you if know, anybody he, wants, I can put it up, but I, it's horrible to watch. Yeah, he got hit in the head with a skateboard and somebody's pointing a gun at him. See, Jess, Jess, that's no. not true. Oh. That's not true. Because I, that's what the New York Times showed. feet away from him. The kid with 20 feet away from him? He's, bring he's up the picture. It's away. on his face. I'll bring up, I can bring up the actual video. Do it. Because I, but, but I mean, I don't so, get to see it. It's so you know, vulgar but, to look at. 
But yeah, I've seen it a hundred times as well. There's there's a still frame. The guy that he shot, the guy that shot in the arm was coming toward him with a gun. That's true. Well, and with his hands up, he had a gun in his hands. The freeze from from the New York Times shows the pistol at the time that he shot the kid. The pistol was pointed at him. So, so, like, it's not that that nothing was going on. He just like started shooting into a crowd. He was being attacked. Okay, you know what? He also went to. Right, but you're not you great intentions. Guys, right, look, but I, I don't want to get off topic here. It's not whether the you know whether he was right or wrong. It's just Trump coming out just saying, you know what, the violence needs to stop on both sides. Just you know, he's but he's not going to. And that I know I sat there and I was I said maybe this one time he's just gonna say something right. Just say something that we want to hear. Not me as a Democrat, not you as a Republican, not you as a Trump supporter, or me as a as a Biden supporter. Just say something that'll reach everybody. And he did the complete opposite. He just he can't do it. And that's my that's my problem with Trump. Um, go ahead, Joe. Emma was first. Emma goes first. Oh, go ahead, Emma. I didn't see your hand. Sorry. Thank you, Joe. Um, I didn't think of this point before the show, so I didn't look it up. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if I am remembering correctly, though, I think that when the the protests and then the subsequent riots and looting happened around uh, George Floyd, that was like just before Biden had some of his best numbers of the campaign. If I remember correctly, uh, it like rallies Trump's base around him. It makes them approve him more. Uh, but like shortly afterwards or even during it like biden was doing really well in the polls if i'm correct i could be wrong i can give uh, you the I, actual numbers um Emma. it's actually biden's numbers haven't changed essentially since no since february it's trump's numbers that that changed when the whole right before the the george for uh, george for god i'm sorry the george floyd um incident um, Trump's numbers were a lot closer to Biden's. He was only about four, between four and six points behind him. After George Floyd, his numbers cratered to as much as 15 or 16 points behind him. But the, the, what people are saying is that, that, that Biden's numbers have almost historically been across the board at exactly the same level for this whole time. So it didn't help Biden that, um, that his, you know, any of this stuff. It, helped, it hurt Trump when, when the George Floyd thing happened. I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, th- thank you. Um, I think that kind of feeds into a little bit of the point I'm trying to make, though, which is for his base, they eat this shit up. Absolutely. Uh, but I think there's a lot of people who see the same thing that you're seeing, Veronica, which is that he's not denouncing the violence from anybody. Uh, and I think it's putting a whole lot more people, not just not necessarily pro-Biden, but like, basically, I don't know if it helps Biden, but I don't know if it like helps Trump as much with undecided voters either yeah well speaking of undecided voters and i know joe you want to say something too i'll I'll ask the question after joe go ahead joe i just thought of something um just just uh before i get into my point real quick uh trump closed up in a couple key states ohio i think he's within six points and i think kentucky too so there there were some states that 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 he's closed in a little bit um here's my thing you know, and it's just maybe because I'm, you know, I feel like I'm I'm kind of old around here, but I really, you know, every every four years when there's a presidential election, there's a strategy on both sides. It just seems like this year, the strategy on both sides deals with death and is deadly. And I think that's what's scary. I mean, when we had, a, a you know, a gay marriage or when we talked about a, like when Reagan talked about the welfare queen or, or all sorts of different things were things we all talked about that were kind of stuff that was out there, but none of it was going to be, oh, that's going to affect my life somehow. And now we've got a lot of stuff that's going on that's that's going to affect a whole lot of people. And I think that's what the scary thing is. And and I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing or not for both sides to be using uh, death or destruction as, as, a, as a strategy to win a presidential election. That's just my feeling on it. And I'm yelling at both sides, both fucking sides. Mm-hmm. I almost made a joke right before we started the after the first question where that was like I forget how you phrased it but like the it's an election about death and I was like yep existential dread 2020 yeah best, pretty much best campaign Pete and then I want to ask a final question on this go ahead Joe Joe's right uh, in the sense of 
both campaigns are benefiting off of off of the whole death calculation. The only difference is, and this is where where I we kind of go back to what you were saying, Veronica. Joe Biden's not going out every day and telling people don't wear a mask. He's not going out and telling people don't social distance. He's actually telling the exact opposite, which in theory hurts his campaign if the numbers get better when it comes to coronavirus. Now, if if Trump was conversely doing the same thing, he'd be saying don't go out and riot. Don't 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 uh, you know vigilante groups don't go do anything in my name. He's not doing that. So there is a big difference between what one campaign is doing, what another campaign is doing. I mean, clearly both campaigns are are benefiting from from death in a sense, but only one of the two of them is actively trying to to, to benefit from it. And so that's I mean that's where where to me it gets heinous because because again. You know what? If Biden was if Biden was was telling people, don't worry about the whole mask thing. And I, you know what? I'll tell you what I think my plan is to fix this after you elect me. Then I guess you know what? I guess then I would be a little bit more, you know, more somewhere towards the middle where I'd say, well, they're both kind of you know playing this game. But he he, I mean, this he has actual videos on how to on how to wash your hands. He has videos on 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 what proper ways to 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 group and you know you know as far as like when you have meetings. They actually put out health videos um, as part of the Biden campaign. Again, I'm not speaking out for Biden. I'm just saying that the the, the same thing is not being done on the other side. I, I mean, Trump retweeted a video of his supporters shooting paintballs at people this morning. And when, it, when he was asked about it this afternoon, he said, well, paintball is not really a gun. It's so it's a nonviolent, um, it's a nonviolent expression of their, of, of, of their rights. That's what he said. I, I mean, I'm not making that up. I'm not saying. You know what? And he, in, in a way, he, I mean, he is right. A paintball is not going to kill someone like, like bullets is. But again, but he did not. You ever been hit by a fucking paintball? It was hurt. Yeah, hurt. Been. They yeah, hurt. Hit, I got hit in the tit with one. I almost died. Exactly. But what I'm saying, though, again, he just will not call them out for anything. They can't do it. I mean, there's there's nothing they can do wrong. Guys, not one thing. But I want to ask you guys something because we've been watching interviews with people um, that have been on the fence as to who they want to vote for. Do any of you know anybody that's kind of on the fence as to who they're going to vote for? And what do you think is going to make up their mind? Or you just kind of Here, like both presidential candidates. Change your strategy. If you promise that you can open Disneyland safely within the next three months, three, four, five, six months, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> the old port <important> Joe vote. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, as far as I know, uh, I, I know what I know is undecided, or at least I haven't talked to them directly about it. Um, but yeah. I've, Anybody I've that been. I know that's undecided is keeping that to themselves. Yeah. And yeah, pretty much know everybody, everybody else has their decided. shit out in the open. The people well, that are out in we the We don't open, know too many independent. No, actually, 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 if anyone's listening or, uh, uh, you know, watching us on, on, on the live feed or listening on the podcast, if you're undecided, email us. We want to talk to you. I, mean, I, I, I would love it. Yeah. Well, we'll right, right, can, can we put them on the show? Can we book them if, if they're undecided? Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be much nicer. Uh, Peter at TMI Hollywood. And let us know well, you're undecided. I'd love to have you on. Well, we, we had we had a Trump supporter on earlier who, who wrote that the LGBT let God um, let God bless Trump. So that's that's what we get as far as uh, any, no, kind of, I, I want, any kind I of want rhetoric. Know, I, 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 would, I would like to get a couple of undecided <laughs> voters on the show, and I want to hear how would, they're feeling about it, because I would love that perspective. How I, love you know, I was curious as to how the LGBT... Well, what? because because if because, that because gay people because gay people are punishing are punishing the United States and Trump is here to fix that. That's that's basically oh. what they're saying. Oh. Oh. That's not my gay agenda. Oh, oh. No. He said LGBT oh, wow. stand for Let God Bless Trump. That's what he said. Oh, oh. okay. Sorry, I'm, I'm breathing okay. wrong. Yeah, okay. I saw I saw okay. someone. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that probably took a whole week to come up with. Yeah. I'm also trying to get a Latino for Trump to come on. I've um, sent various messages and emails and no response from anybody. So we'll see. See, that's that's what's frustrating is that I know that we're probably accused of being far left liberals. But I, I mean, Veronica and I sit around all day trying to figure out how ways, how ways to get Trump supporters to come on and talk to us. And, and the thing is, I, I, I mean, 
I know, listen, I know how I'd feel hearing some of the stuff, but I wouldn't attack it because I want to hear it. I, I think it'd be really, I think it'd be really I, uh, interesting to hear. Yes, why. we only if attack you because we know you. If I can get one or two, can we go on? I mean, I mean, obviously. Please, please. I'm going to put something. I'm going to understand it. Because I, I, I know, listen, I don't understand it at all. Just the whole thing is that we can't just start, like, like you know, bum rushing him and jumping. No him one's, no one's going to pile so it's only because we know you and love you buddy that's the only reason we attack you so hard <laughs> i said bum rushing and emma was like what <laughs> okay. so, since we were on the topic of death how about we close out the show with a little bit more on this date in 1888 mary oh, Hattie, yeah. a prostitute from east end of london's Whitechapel district was murdered by a serial killer who came to be known as jack the ripper Marianne was Jack's first confirmed victim. Why do you think that Jack the Ripper is still so famous 132 years after his murder spree? And do you think that he or she is the most famous serial killer of all time? She? It was a him for sure. It was a dude. <laughs> it was a dude. And I, he's famous because it's never been solved. I mean, those women have been to were totally eviscerated back then. I mean, gutted. They were gutted. Um, yeah, and they were, it was completely horrible. On top of that, being raped, there was so much post-mortem stuff that he did that was psycho and crazy. I mean, yeah, that's why, because it was that level of violence. And there was, and it was like, uh, he was also the first person to use dis a, a disposable community in terms of um, killing specifically prostitutes. And the reason why he almost got caught is because he killed a woman who was proper. That's why he almost got caught and killed two women in one night because he almost got caught killing one of them. So, I mean, yeah, this case is like for us true crimeies, this is like a long standing. This is like the, this is like, this is the Moby Dick of true crime. Like you, everybody wants a piece of this. This is like if Michelle McNamara could solve Golden State, this is like the next best thing. If you can, and people have come close. People have come close. There's a couple of doctors that are in the running that are thought of to be Jack the Ripper. I mean, obviously dead, but they're, you know, the people that they thought could be them. Yeah. I'm fascinated by true crime as well. Like I love, love crime shows. I just find it so interesting to see how an average, normal, you know, everyday person turns into a killer. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. is a process and like what happens, you know, in their mind. For me, it's um, it's Ted Bundy. I've always been fascinated by him too because he was just like just a smooth guy who just, you know, you would have never thought that, you know, he was creepy in any way, shape or form. Have you seen the movie with um, Zac Efron where he plays him? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. Um, Emma, go ahead. I was going to say Ted Bundy as well in terms of like most well-known of all time. Like he, he gives Jack Ripper a pretty good run for his money. Uh, but yeah, no, like Shana said. Well, definitely in terms of body count alone, Ted Bundy did yeah. like at least 15 times more than Jack the Ripper did. Yeah. <laughs> but also just like the incredible violence of what he did. And I think it was so publicized as well. Like he had an MO. He was written about. There are articles. There are books. He's got a brand. Like Everybody knows what he did and how he did it because uh, he was, in a terrible way, really good at getting that out there. Um, he also got caught and he was interviewed and he was open to being interviewed. I mean, oh, no, I'm talking about Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about Ted Bundy. I was like, I he's mean, a narcissist. They he both did it. But Jack the Ripper was the first to like do it on a wide yeah. scale. It's horrific. But like, he did do it very well. Yeah. Elizabeth? Yeah, it's a it's a combo of, of the brutal nature of the crimes that got so much attention and the actual like media attention because that's probably I'm not a full on media historian or anything like that, but that's probably the first really big murder case that was like sensationalized the way it was. Since we were talking about Jack the Ripper, Veronica, one of the one of the theories that people have about Jack the Ripper is that actually H.G. Wells, who was one of the, I, I mean, not H. the guy who had the hotel, the motel in Chicago. H. H. Oh, H.H. Holmes. Yes, that he was actually Jack the Ripper because he had time. He was working in London and the killers, the Ripper killers stopped during a month where he was transiting back to Chicago. And then the, the killings in Chicago in that hotel started right after he returned. So there's like this whole... I mean, the crime world has been working on Jack the Ripper for a long time. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of theories about that 
wasn't just because five killings aren't a lot and killers do move. And now we're using our new science, which is that communities don't talk. You know, that kind of thing doesn't happen. And that science is now being applied. So people, because he was our first, H.H. Holmes was our first major serial killer here in the U.S. as well. So I think they're thinking that they may be the same person. That Devil in the White City book is fantastic. It's a great book. All that, the serial killer stuff is very interesting. Um, But so is building the Chicago World's Fair and how stressful it was. And by the end of it, you're rooting. I just vividly remember one detail where like one uh, like greens engineer, like gardening architect guy was like, I just want some swans in a pond. That's all I really want. And you're like, God damn it. I hope that guy gets his swans. And he does. And it's great. But it takes a while because half of the World's Fair almost sinks into the mud half the time. It's great. It's, It's a very fascinating book. Um, because those chapters alternate, so you're like horrified, and then it's like, man, engineering's hard. <laughs> so, with that being said, that's our show for tonight. Um, we've actually invited Paul Levinson to come back tomorrow. Um, he's a, a media studies a professor at Fordham University, and we're going to talk to him about how the media covered the RNC versus the DNC, and then maybe we can also talk to him, Elizabeth, what you just said about you know how the media covers on murders. So oh, that yeah. might be something interesting to ask them about. So we'll Hopefully see you I'm back here tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> and um, have a good night, everyone. Bye.